0: What are your qualifications?
1: Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think?
2: Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm
0: Greg. And we are recording from separate locations.
2: In isolation.
0: We are iso officially covid We tried to keep going as much as we could, but our... Actually, could we have done this legally? I don't, like, you know, within the guidelines. I don't know.
2: I think we maybe technically. I don't even know anymore, man. I'm a bit confused. You get a fine for eating a kebab on a park bench. Who the fuck knows? That happened, you know. Legit, this week, a guy got fined for eating a kebab on a park bench. Why? Because it's a crazy time.
0: (laughs) Was it a Batuta article? Was it from the good people (laughs) of Batuta?
2: No, it's been shared all over Facebook as like, this is what it's become. Some We can't let the, the cure be worse than the disease. It's oh, like, everyone, yeah, that's a good one. You know? Good yeah. Trump line. Everyone calm down. I, I get that there's some element of truth to that. It, like the philosophically, yes, we shouldn't let that happen. But also, it's not happening, guys. Relax. Relax.
0: We're doing uh, Beetlejuice this week, Tristan.
2: <laughs> yeah, good segue. <laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> blunt segue. A a Gregway, I like to call
0: them. Hey, what are you suggesting? (laughs) Um, 1988, our first Tim Burton, our first Beetlejuice.
2: (laughs) Our first Michael Keaton, our first Alec Baldwin. Our second Gina Davis. Our second... Our our second pedo from (laughs) Bueller. Our second Tub Tub from uh, Demolition Man. Our first Winona. Our second Kathleen O'Hara. Oh, second Catherine O'Hara, yeah. Mm. I mean, usually we do a little context setting with you diving into the year that was, but 1988, I don't think a lot happened, so you probably don't have anything for this year. Ha,
0: this ha, year. ha, 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 <laughs> ha. Now, you probably can't tell because I'm not in front of you, Tristan, but that's me being sarcastic because I know we are covering the greatest year that ever was thanks to Expo 88. You know I get excited when we're back on 88. Now, I am without my mug um, due to COVID, yeah. which is a tragedy. Probably yeah. probably one of the bigger tragedies that we've seen as a result of the COVID-19 epidemic is me having to record without my mug on an 88 I
2: would ag- year. I would agree. Close, closely followed by the kettlebell shortage. The,
0: the great kettlebell shortage of <laughs> 2020.
2: <laughs> you can't buy kettlebells anyway. Everyone wants a kettlebell. Old Arthur Kettlebell Esquire is enrolling in it right now. I tell you what, he's it's got he piles be, of money.
0: He'd be dead though, so it'd be the, uh, the, it'd family, be the, heir. the heir, of it's, Arthur Kettlebell. It's
2: probably like rich kids of Instagram. Yeah, you know, Scrooge McDucking into their kettlebell fortune right now
0: into their kettlebell pool. <laughs> um, I tell you what, though, much like the toilet paper, I just feel for the old people trying to get their hands on kettlebells right now. <laughs> now, eighty-eight. I have committed to much like the premise of this show where we uh, default into a chronology of Van Damme films. i much, mm-hmm. much like that. I want to do the same for Expo 88. So each time I'll give you a little snippet into something particular or particular, as we like to say on the so program. So, uh, last time you might remember, um, we started at the front gates and I talked about the sculpture that sat out the side of the entry of Expo Grounds, created by the Aussie living legend Ken Doan. Um, so today, Tristan, we are going inside the fair. Now, we're not going to mess about, we're going to go straight to the most popular exhibition of Expo 88, so as you know... The high uh, Well, yeah, good point. Um, that was more of a... <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Spectacle. This was okay. a, a stage. So one of the country, each each country had a stage where they uh, dialed up the culture of their of their respective country in uh, unique and exciting and informative ways. Um, mm. And could you guess which country had the most popular exhibition? Singapore. No, uh, it was actually uh, the good people across the ditch. The Ditch being the Tasman Sea. Our Anzac Brethren. New Zealand had the number one uh, exhibition. Now, their exhibition was centred around the great cartoon Footrot Flats. Ah. Are you familiar with the Murray Ball Classic from the Auckland Daily?
2: I, I, I don't know it. In, I can't remember a lot of detail, but yeah, they had a movie. Really, yeah. It was
0: a cartoon, and then they made it a movie, and I loved that movie when I was a kid. That movie was special. Yeah, yeah. I
2: remember it like airing on TV and it being a pretty big event in my household. Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: and I think most notably uh, is the the feature track, um, which is "Slice of Heaven" by Dave Dobbin. Mm. Um, which is kind of like a Kiwi unofficial anthem, to my knowledge. Yeah. After a couple of beers, uh, do you want to give our yes. give our fair listeners a little bit of a taste of that?
2: Yes.
3: Now.
0: Um, if that didn't put a little uh, pep in your step and a bit of colour in your day, I don't know what will. Um, and if you haven't heard that yeah. song, so I would be guessing that there would be at least a portion of our good friends of the show in uh, foreign lands that wouldn't be familiar yeah. with that track. So, um, You're Welcome. I guess that's Absolutely. what we say now, Tristan. You're welcome.
2: It's a good track. And you know, what good is podcasting if it's not leading to some discoveries of, of new forms of art? Mm absolutely that is slice of heaven yeah that
0: would be a a, like a horizon expander i guess right so uh, look i'll um i'll leave it there um for expo this time so we've had ken doan and now we've had dave dobbin foot rot flats and slice of heaven i you know i think i'll just probably also quickly acknowledge that we're three years out from the 35th anniversary so we can prepare Mm. for some fireworks there or perhaps some drone choreographed lighting shows or whatever they'll be doing in three years. Um, <laughs> how well do you remember this film?
2: This movie uh, was a big deal for me. Was it? I mean, I didn't see it in 88. I was four years old. Yeah, <laughs> But it was a big year for movies. We've, we've covered this year a few times, as you would know, from the various um, coverage of Expo 88. But um, I won't go through all of them because we've done it a few times. But just a couple of highlights. This was the year of Die Hard, which we've covered. This was the year of Twins, which we've covered. Mm. This was the year of Coming to America, which we have not covered yet, mm-hmm. but also Child's Play, Rambo 3, Bloodsport, which we have covered, Naked Gun, which we have covered. Good good year for movies, wow. right? Just,
0: <laughs> I would say I don't like not having the, the noise wow. board. <laughs> I was I thinking think that.
2: I feel bad for you. Yeah, I was I was worried about that. Um naked. Just missing out on the top ten though was the movie we're talking about today. Number fourteen Put in nineteen eighty eight was Beetle Geist. Hey, an interesting little little tidbit for you. Now, in Australia right now, this is on Netflix, which means it's highly accessible, which hopefully means our Australian listeners have been watching it this previous weekend and are now listening to us talk about it. But strangely enough, um, the universe is a strange place. Netflix, back when it was a DVD mail order thing, mm-hmm. uh-huh. the first DVD they ever shipped was Beetlejuice Norway Jose. In 1998. Yeah, yeah. So everything it's a little, uh, comes around there. It's
0: like a circle. A little, the universe is a circle. Yeah.
2: The time is a flat circle, Matthew McConaughey once said in something I haven't watched. Interstellar. Oh, no. Something. something. Sorry, no, true detective. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> confused. Interstellar, he said the thing about the schoolgirls staying the same age.
0: Yeah, in the, in the flat circle.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Beetlejuice. Budget of 50 mil, grossed $72.4 million, which is, I would say, rather large. It did pretty well, pretty bloody well. Rotten Tomatoes scores, critic score of 84%, audience score of 82%. Um, and I think, I mean, that's high. It's definitely in the higher end of the movies we typically cover. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of thought it might be higher. I've definitely, it's definitely grown on me over the years and is a refreshing picture relative to... I guess, a lot of things we see these days, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh Um, But, yeah, how about you? When did you first watch this?
0: Uh, You know what? I don't know. I I wasn't that much of a fan. Beetlejuice creeped me up. Yeah. Uh, I was also creeped out by goths more broadly. Um, So that basically put a line through Winona for me at that stage. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it was the suit. Maybe Michael Keaton was just a little bit too good at being creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Um. For me, as far as Tim Burton goes, um, my entry point was definitely Edward Penis Hands. Um. Right. And uh, I would say my one of my earliest memories of this was the Gremlins slash Beetlejuice ride at uh, Hollywood on the Gold Coast, Warner Brothers Movie World.
2: I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So for the thirty percent, Warner Brothers Movie World is a bit like our uh, I don't know Disneyland or something. Universal Studios, um, I guess. Universal Studios, yeah. yeah, Universal Studios.
1: Warner Brothers Movie World, Hollywood on the Gold Coast.
2: And yeah, and there's a Gremlins ride. For some reason, Beetlejuice was in it. I guess it was a Warner Brothers thing. I suppose because it was a the connected it was a universe Gremlins
0: thing, and then they just threw in Beetlejuice at the end.
2: He was just there, like messing with the power. Yeah, the, yeah he was thing.
0: hanging your boat when he was yeah. like above it. That was the end of the ride. Maybe. It
2: was like a little plot twist at the end or a little post-credit scene of like, oh, Connected Universe, Yeah, preempted Marvel by many, many years. But, man, you mirrored my experience exactly. Like I, I, I saw it but it wasn't really a big deal for me mm. until later in life. I think when I kind of rediscovered Tim Burton probably early 20s or something mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, oh. Film student Tristan? Because, you know, when you watch, yeah, uh, probably post film student Tristan but into just like. Things. I don't know. Get, getting out of the cliche areas of like Tarantino and like that's film student Tristan is like, yeah, are fight club. Oh, you're yeah, a Tarantino. Uh. And, <laughs> and then it, <laughs> it was pretty pretentious. But then this was like, Oh, cause you know, when you're a kid, you don't watch these movies knowing who the director is. And so there was a bit of like connecting the dots of your childhood of going, Oh, those were all the same guy. Oh, I want to rewatch all those now. Mm. And then I realized Beetlejuice is, Pretty special, so i probably it's one of those movies I' probably rewatched every couple of years for the last ten years I would say yeah, interesting, yeah, I think I'd probably watch I think I watched it like last year or something most recently, oh, yeah, so it wasn't all that new in the rewatch, but it's a big deal for me now
0: yeah well, good, good for you, struggling with my levels a bit here. have fun editing tomorrow
2: check <laughs> it into the origins, please. Topic?
3: origin story
2: all right okay so this is early early burton again one of those things that uh, building on what i was saying before of like when you're a kid you don't necessarily know it's all the same director yada 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 but also tim burton is slightly less covered than people like scorsese or something so you kind of i guess it's one of those ones you you connect the dots yourself and so it's interesting to note that this is the second movie that he ever made, feature-length movie he ever made. And the first one that he really, you know, was his project. So the previous the first movie he ever made was Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Which is obviously the Pee-Wee Herman movie, so which is not is like there
0: multiple Pee Wee Herman movies. What's the deal there?
2: Yeah, yeah. So he had a TV show, I think, and which I don't know if it was big in Australia, but it was I think it started as a UCB live show and then evolved into a TV show and then they made the movie and then a couple of years ago there was a Netflix movie, which I recommend watching. It's heaps weird. It's so weird. Mm. <laughs> I don't know that I totally get mm. Pee Wee Omen yet, but I'm intrigued. He strikes music <laughs> on Unit. Yeah. Get at that? I think partly because I think maybe the first, my introduction to that guy, Paul Rubens, was the fact that he got busted for whacking off in a porn theater or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's uh, like there was definitely. creepy about him. Yeah, it's not this. It's not the best first impression on a on a young human. So I've always wrestled with that in every Paul Rubens experience since. <laughs> but needless to say, that's very much like Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens, like that's his thing. So Tim Burton directing that movie was very much him. I guess going to someone else's world and mm. speaking their language, and you know, like that kind of thing. It, th- if you watch it now, there are definitely some Burtonesque elements in there mm. you know the music for instance and some little visual cues but this was I, I guess the first burton burton picture but in saying that i assumed he had written it or it was a beetlejuice the character was one of his creations but it wasn't so basically off the off the heels of Pee Wee's big adventure he was suddenly a bankable director people wanted to be in the tim Burton business ah, the fat cats the fat cats of Hollywood were like, here, here's some shit scripts. What do you think? And he was like, I don't want to do shit scripts. I want to do good scripts. And so one day uh, he got handed a hot little number named Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. which, yeah, again, it's not written by him. This was an existing script um, by someone named Michael McDowell. Yeah. Um, but that original the McDowell, script. Um,
0: McDonald's franchise?
2: I believe so, yeah. I, be- mm-hmm. I I didn't get a chance to fact check that. I have a date with Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> one can assume. Mm. And he had this little nugget of an idea that inspired his script, which was um, what if ghosts were nice, but it was the people that moved into the house that were awful? Mm. And what if then the ghosts required a bio-exorcist yeah. to be rid of these horrible, horrible beings? Beetlejuice is a bioexorcist. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that.
0: <laughs> it's an elaborate title. It's cool. I love it. I didn't really, yeah. I, I don't know what it means still. Bio as in like this
2: human. Yeah, like instead of getting an exorcist to get rid of the ghost, you get a bio exorcist to get rid of the human, I guess. Mm. That's pretty cool. Wait, I didn't even notice that. (laughs) I've watched it many times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to see you keep (laughs) learning because if you're not learning, you're dying. Is that what they say?
2: Yeah, it's calling for your mind. The milk is for babies. So this initial initial script by McDowell was uh, very, very different. Dare I say slightly darker. darker and grittier
0: (laughs) i couldn't i did read that it was darker and grittier and i i was like yep okay well of course it is
2: it's funny because i would have thought that i would have assumed well a i assumed this was a burton original concept but b i would have assumed he took something light and made it darker but he actually found something darker and made it slightly lighter so that is interesting it is interesting yeah so mcdowell he was a writer on Amazing Stories. Remember that TV show Amazing Stories? Yes. And there was a similar story called Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which I think was like an mm. anthology series of scary stories, and then Tales of the Crypt. So he, he had a thing going, I guess, which was just wacky stories for TV specials and whatnot. He also <laughs> – I have no information to elaborate on this, but he also wrote a bunch of gay detective novels apparently. What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um <laughs> But um, everything aside from the gay detective novels makes sense in what was a darkier and grittier script. I mean, there were little things like the the, the way that the main characters die was a lot more graphic. Gina's arm was crushed and uh, screaming for help mm. and, you know, that kind of shit. You know what? Can I just cute, say on that cute point? Dog scenario. There yeah. was definitely room
0: to make it a little bit dialed up from what it was, even in its current. Yeah, I form. agree.
2: Like, I agree. They fall
0: like a meter.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, it would be hard to die from that.
0: That's what I said. And Carol's like, do? no, but you get trapped. I'm like, but the windows are open. He he sticks yeah, his head so out. Yeah, that's so
2: easy to get out of.
0: Yeah, these people deserve to die. Anyway, sorry. I am
2: I think the last time I watched that, maybe a year ago, I was genuinely shocked that they died from that because I had forgotten. I guess, maybe I they had like, no budget left. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, they only had a million-dollar budget for special effects, apparently. <laughs> maybe they shot that last and they spent it all on training the dog to stand at a plank of wood. What a low dog. I could see Seymour doing that <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, don't hey, Stay, stay, stay. Oh, man. No, dead. <laughs> yeah, so that was a bit more graphic. Um, that famous dance scene um, was instead the carpet coming to life, which had a vine print on it and the vine strangling the, the humans. Um, Beetlejuice himself really wanted to kill the humans, but I feel like he still did in this As well, like his his solution I think was leading to them being moited.
0: Yeah, he was taking them all down at the end there, didn't he?
2: Yeah, exactly. So maybe in the original script he actually succeeded or something, I'm not sure. But um, he was also a winged demon who takes the form of a short Middle Eastern man. Hmm. (laughs) It's all oddly specific. A couple more (laughs) bits and pieces. Not just, I mean, it's creepy enough that he wanted to marry Lydia Slash Winona writer in this because she was 15 years old. In the original script, he was trying to have sex with her. Speaking of Lydia, she was meant to die in a fire oh, um, so that she could enjoy the afterlife with um, old Gina Davis and Alec. And there was also a sister. So Lydia had a sister which was the normal one. Yeah, of course. A bit of contrast. She could be more... Exactly, so that she could be more of an outsider, that kind of thing. Saying his name three times, saying his name three times wasn't a thing. And at the end of the movie, the Maitlands, the main characters, they actually got shrunk into smaller size and lived in the model that Alec Baldwin built in the beginning. So that that's wow. kind of cool. That would be like fun. That.
0: That's a hell of a model.
2: Yeah, I love the model shit, man. Mm-hmm. Love it. We're we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, Burton was like, "Oh, it's a bit dark. Do we really need to have you know underage sex?" And that kind of shit going on here? Yeah. So he brought in a few really So he writes, was, was quite commercial. layers of rewriting. He was. Sorry?
0: I see why people wanted to be in the Burton business because he was quirky, but he was commercial enough to know that you shouldn't have a bioexorcist <laughs> sexing a underage yeah, girl. Yeah,
2: yeah. I guess, I guess he was. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very commercially minded. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he brought in, um, the first writer he brought in for a rewrite was a man named Larry Wilson who would go on to write Adam's Family. But then he eventually got the boot too because they just created differences and whatnot. But he brought in another writer named Warren Scarin, who knows, who would go on to be one of the co-writers of Batman, Bert, Burton's Batman, and also Beverly Hills Cop 2. So a friend of the show there. Wow, wow. So, rewrites happened a lot. They landed on the final version. It went through a a variety of naming. Um, So, while originally titled Beetlejuice, the old suits weren't happy with this. Mm. They were like, come on, Beetlejuice, what are we talking about here? And so, they wanted to call it House Ghost (sighs) or House Ghosts. Yeah, not a creative bone in their body, I say. (laughs) And as a joke, apparently... Tim Burton suggested the name Scared Sheetless, but he said it as a joke, but they were quite into it. Uh, go on. I'm listening, police, cops. Um, <laughs> oh, man, did you see some of these pre
0: I did see some of the pre There are some good pre for this movie.
2: Yeah, which really makes you think that Michael Keaton brought a lot to this role because initially Burton's first casting choice for Beetlejuice himself was Sammy Davis Jr. Mm. I don't know if he talks like that, but Sammy Davis Jr. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. So it makes you wonder how he was written on the page because surely, I mean, you couldn't expect Sammy Davis Jr. to do what Michael Keaton did.
0: No, no siree. No
2: siree you, Bob. Uh-huh. And, um... That's a big bombshell to me, that one. Uh-huh. I had one other smaller one, which was um, Alyssa Milano, who was in the running for Lydia.
0: There was a bunch in the running for Lydia.
2: Oh, yeah, had some others?
0: Well, a bunch turned them down, apparently. Who you got? Uh, there was, like, Laurie Lachlan, you know, the chick from Full House.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Um, Sarah Jessica Parker, Molly Ringwald. Huh. Oh, who else? Like, quite a long list I saw of girls turning down that role. Right. Mm.
2: Good on Winona. Good on Winona. We should we should really do hit up some some Heartland Winona soon.
0: I'm up for it. She's a gem. I'm a big fan.
2: Yeah, Winona forever. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, says. Absolutely, Winona forever.
0: <laughs> um, I had a good one for um, Catherine O'Hara's character, the the, the sculptress. Oh yeah, um, Mrs. Deets or whatever her name was. Um, Angelica Houston.
2: Oh, but she's quite ghostly herself. Yeah. Yeah, but she's also quite arty. That yeah, that works. It does
0: work. I feel that Catherine probably had a better air of new neur- neurotic sort of ness.
2: Yeah, man. She's she's fucking great in this, man. She's so good in this.
0: I would have liked to have seen more from her in this. I don't know if now's yeah. the time to discuss that, but yeah, anyway.
2: No, yeah, we're we'll get to that. Mm. Alright, I'll round out the origin story here with the the final cast we landed on, which was of course Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice, Winona Ryder as Lydia. Gina Davis as fuck I forget their names now And Alec Baldwin as the other one Catherine O'Hara as arty quirky mum Pedo from Beulah as boring mm-hmm. dad yep. And Guy from Demolition Man as pretty much the same character as he was in Demolition mm-hmm. Man I'll, I'll play the trailer and then we'll get, get into the juice From
4: the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure Adam and Barbara are... Ghosts.
1: What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away?
4: Their house is being
0: haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use so, a to hear darling. And they can't scare them into leaving.
4: They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic.
0: So they're calling on Beetlejuice.
4: Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice.
0: Who's no ordinary ghost.
1: Yeah, you don't want his help. Can you be scary?
3: What do you think of this? <gasps>
4: Now, the party's over.
1: You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out here, house.
4: <laughs> but the fun
1: oh. has just begun. It's showtime. <laughs> Learn to throw your voice, fool your friends, butter party. <laughs>
3: Not bad. This is amazing. You want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, here
1: I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life Attention, shoppers. in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. And the ghost with the most, babe.
2: Oh, I, I enjoy that trailer a lot. I feel like I could watch that over and over again. But you know, Greg. Sometimes the trailer doesn't say it all, does it?
0: Ah, uh, well. When it does have the legendary God Don LaFontaine voicing over, it tends to actually nail it. It does. Just listening to that, I'm really surprised that the. So we've done what? How many films have we done now? Sixty-one.
2: Yeah, sixty-one.
0: Sixty-one movies we've covered from this era, and like yeah. I reckon I can count the number of movies. Yeah, on one hand, that. Yeah. That um, that have had Don doing the voiceover, surprisingly less than Pretty I would have thought. Because my recollection yeah. is he did all of them,
2: and even voiceover in general. I'd say I, I reckon probably half, or uh, maybe maybe seventy percent have voiceover, and then of those that have it, yeah, not many. I tell you what, it's a crime. It's a crime.
0: It is a crime, but uh, it makes it all the more pleasant when we get to hear from him. So I will give it it a synopsis. Um, look. Truth is stranger than fiction, so I Mm. won't put too much of a spin on this one. Look, you got this couple, very, very boring couple. Uh, One of them resembles a young, shy, skinny version of Alec Baldwin, if that's possible to imagine. The other is Gina Davis. They live in a small house in a small town. The house is built by Tim Burton, it seems. Yeah. They have a crash in their car and they die. Another family moves into their house.
2: They don't want them there. Mm. They're almost haunting it. Oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. I like it.
0: The reverse haunties. That's what this should have been called. The reverse haunties.
2: Yeah. Where were you in 88? Oh, you were at Expo. Yeah. Living it up. Living it up. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, they're trying to get this living family out of their house. They can't seem to do it themselves. They hire someone to do it, like a dead guy. It's Michael Keaton. He's pretty gross. Ipso facto. There's some situations. And then they end up seeming to live together. It's a happy ending, it seems. Um, There's some nice Harry Belafonte songs through the film.
3: Yeah,
2: that's the end. Yeah, that sums it up. You're right. I mean, there's no, there's no more absurd <laughs> telling of that than just what actually happens because it's, it's fucking nuts. And I think that's my main thing in, in like initial thoughts of the rewatch. I just like that this movie exists. It's just so odd. Mm. I, I mean, not to get all cliche on you, but they don't make them like this no more. Like it's just such a random. So odd. It's so weird. Hmm. It's odd that it even got made. I guess it's a slightly tamer version than what was originally written, but it's still fucking weird. Yeah, man. it's
0: nice to know that this is one of this is out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think I go back and forth on whether do I like the idea of this movie then more than the movie itself. Oh, you do? I, well, I don't know. I, I was, I was, I was asking myself that question today. I do because when I was rewatching it, but maybe it's I've rewatched it so much that I'm. It's less exciting, maybe. I, get so bit, I just kind of yeah. go through the motions when I watch I it. I like
0: the first half.
2: Yeah. I, I enjoy it, but I do drift in and out a little bit of, in terms of attention span. Mm. But, I, oh man, but I just, yeah, let's have some more just random bursts of creativity like yeah. this little fucking gem. Oh, interestingly, though, in the rewatch and really being honest with myself this time around, I did relate to the dad a lot more than in the past. You know, poor guy just wanted to sit in his favorite chair and read Practical Homeowner.
0: Yeah, he wanted to move to the country.
2: Yeah, like honestly, man, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> I'd love to move to the country now. You know, when I was younger, I was like, who the fuck would want to move to the country? You know, and then I moved to New York and shit. But now I'm like, yeah, fucking country, sit in my favorite chair, read a magazine or the equivalent these days, maybe listen to a podcast. Like that's basically what I did today. Mm. My my thing now since isolation is tidy the house, make it all real zen-like and nice and sit and just soak up the feng, feng shui. Yeah, well, you just enjoy Love that it.
0: because what happens is something comes along that kids. flips that on its head for 20, 30, 40 years.
2: Yeah, my sister said the same thing. Right, yeah, I'm very conscious of this. I'm at the life stage now or enough people in my life have kids that I realize I know I'm I'm living in a bit of a bubble right now. Well, the
0: thing is, it's kind of my bubble as well. I come to your place and it's my sanctuary.
2: Ah, yeah, true, children. true, true. But yeah, I guess what I mean is this dad, I in the old days I would have thought, "What a what a loser." But now I kind of empathize with him a lot more than I used to.
0: Except for the pedophile thing.
2: Except, except for the pedophilia, yeah. Um how about you? How's how's the rewatch?
0: Mixed. Mixed. I would probably echo your sentiments broadly. Uh, specifically, I was enjoying the opening scene a lot. It reminded me of an episode of Six Feet Under. Did you watch Six Feet Under? I'm sure oh, we discussed right. this. No, man, it was it's brilliant. It's one of my favorites of all time for sure. That only stumbled across because it replaced Sopranos on Monday nights here in Australia back in the day, ah, in the t- early 2000s. Yeah, right. So 10 o'clock it was quite late. Sopranos came on at 10 o'clock at night, which um,
2: but it was free to wear, like HBO. Yeah,
0: so it ran late but you got it free. So that came on when Sopranos came off and we were literally sitting there at uni um, in our share house waiting for Sopranos to come on and we were too stoned to realise that <laughs> it, it was a series finale last week.
2: And you were like, is this one of Tony's fucking dreams? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we didn't want to ch- – you change your channel. I don't want to change I don't know where the remote is. So we watched the first episode and loved it. But in this – if hopefully there's a few, <laughs> few Six Feet Under fans um, that are friends of the show but. Every opening scene there was a there was a death and you sort of sat on the edge of your seat oh. as you went further into the series because you knew someone was going to die but they'd give you all these hijinks where you'd think it was going to be that person and then it wasn't. And so I had a bit of that vibe with this because I knew they were going to die because obviously that's the premise of the show but I just couldn't remember how yeah. it was going to happen. But to be fair, it actually happened pretty quickly, didn't
2: it? It did but then you you, you would be forgiven for not realising that that would have killed them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, are they dead?
0: Because <laughs> they don't seem to realise it, and surely they didn't die just falling off that little.
2: I mean, they didn't fall. They didn't die on impact. They would have, I guess, maybe their seatbelts malfunctioned. <laughs> man. Yeah,
0: it's it's. Well, they are a pretty blunt couple, it seems.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're a bit slow.
0: But he can make a, a little model town. So that that was a like that oh, opening. That time. whole opening scene was um was pretty beautiful, I thought.
2: And how about Alec Baldwin in this too? Oh man. We're saying, I was watching this with Ara and we're both like, it's it's like he's not fully formed yet. He hasn't reached his final form. That is a um, much
0: more polite way of putting it than what Carol said.
2: (laughs) What'd she say? She
0: said, well, it's like he's wearing a fat suit now.
2: Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Oh, but there's a middle ground too. There's like, there's peak era Baldwin. Yeah, Garrigan
0: Ross sort of era.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now there's like the late stage yeah, where he does kind of look like he's wearing a fat suit. But he definitely wasn't full Alec Baldwin yet. No. You'd be forgiven if you, were, if you just thought it was one of the other Baldwins. Yeah, one like, of the
0: lesser-known Baldwins. Yeah. Hey, just on the little models, which i were really enjoying, Carol brought to my attention this subculture of tiny cooking. Are you across this?
2: Oh, yeah, I follow Nunu's house. Is it Nunu's house? I don't house? know. I've never Is heard it? of it.
0: It's bonkers.
2: I've stumbled across it at some point. It's still on my Instagram feed now because I've followed it a while ago. But it's, yeah, these mini cooking things. It's these people
0: making everything's miniature and they bake like a little pie or a little lasagna with actual ingredients. But yeah. they're literally the size of your thumb.
2: Yeah, and it's crazy when they do things like use an egg because that gets complicated. But yeah, <laughs> they'll do it. And pasta and shit.
0: It's so weird.
2: It's crazy. They'll have like a little candle as the hot plate and stuff.
0: I sent you the clip. Do you want to just listen to them? Can we play the clip just so people can hear the music? The music's very... I find it quite unsettling.
2: Just, yeah, yeah. This and the they shit. all have this so that haunting track. A little scoop of butter goes in the saucepan. And so, yeah, again, so in the original ending... These guys would be living in a little kitchen like this. Lovely. Oh, adding milk. What's he making here? <laughs> oh, he's making tiny lasagna. Is he going to make the proper white sauce? Or is he going to use a little ricotta? <laughs> this would be interesting. <laughs> you had a you had a little Soprano's cooking session today, I had a didn't great you?
0: Soprano's cooking session.
2: Did yeah,
0: a proper eggplant parmigiana. Parmigiana yeah. melanzane. Yeah.
2: I can't tell if you're pronouncing it right because I can't see your hand. Oh no, my
0: hand was yeah, my hand was. I'm pinching my fingers
2: together. <laughs> oh man, there's it's weird subcultures out there, man. Speaking of, there's like there's a lot of weird. I mean, I didn't get I didn't get to the depths of of fan fiction, but there are like so. For instance, the admin, the sec, the admin chick the afterlife, the green chick. The ad- yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, she's become quite a popular character. What do you mean? In terms of, like, I think there's a lot of fans on the internet of that particular character because she's pretty hot. I thought she was hot. Yeah. Is that weird that I thought she was hot? I thought she was hot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I didn't know this was so terrible I wouldn't have had my little little accent.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's the other thing. Apparently, if you kill yourself, you become a public servant in the afterlife. Ah. Yeah, which implies that Beetlejuice killed himself because he was the assistant – of their afterlife caseworker. True. Yeah. So I looked into that, and apparently, in the original script, and maybe even in they shot it and it got cut. Yeah, it was revealed he killed himself. He hanged himself after a bad romance or something. Uh-huh. A Little makes him a little more empathetic, does it not? It does if you prick him, does he not bleed? Um, and all that jazz. Yeah, which is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got one for you. Yeah. Controversial question: mm. Can this movie exist without Beetlejuice?
2: Can it? Yeah, yeah. So that is interesting because he doesn't show up for like nearly an hour. Yeah, but in saying that, I I I've been thinking about this a lot today. Of like, does is that what makes it work for me? Like, maybe too much Beetlejuice would be too much. Like Jaws, you know, you got to get the the anticipation. He's coming. You know, he's coming.
0: Yeah, I didn't find that I had that sa- that's cuz that's probably the the correct um comparison, but I guess I
2: Okay, this is interesting cuz I feel like this is the second little hint you've dropped where I'm starting to think maybe you're not into the character of Beetlejuice. I think not. I haven't got a fully formed wow. opinion
0: on it, but I think like I kind of yeah, I'm like yeah, you know I'm like I oh, no, you know you know where I stand on Mr. Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Which, and I assume this would have been one of the key reasons. Nope. Wow. Wow. Really? I mean, I've got things in my notes here. Like, he is so great in this, and then a different point that just says so great.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, I I love him. I don't know. It's something's not gelling for me. I, I like parts of it. I like when he's um, I like uh, played down Beetlejuice.
2: But I just find him a little over the top. I think that's what I loved about it. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I think that. I mean, I. I, I thought so.
0: That's his in, what he's going for. He's a genius. So. Yeah,
2: I mean, again, like when you imagine Sammy Davis Jr. playing his role, you got to imagine that the role on paper was a lot more chilled out. Mm. So he—that's all him, I think. It is. Um, there's a clip of him talking about how he thought about the character and what he mm. brought to the character, mm. which is interesting because, again. Like again, before reading into this, I assumed this was something Tim Burton had up his sleeve for years, but the character wasn't really on the page as much as it was that combo of Boyton and Keaton. Uh huh. I'll play the clip. When Tim came to you for Beetlejuice,
1: I didn't understand what he was talking about. (laughs) I had no idea what he was talking about, but I liked him. (laughs) Yes. I went, wow, this guy's something. and so I said, I, I wish I could do it. You seem like a really nice guy, and I, I know you're creative, but I don't know what you're, you're, I don't get it. And, he, and I, did, I met him again at a little Mexican restaurant down on Lincoln, and we talked and talked and talked. And I said, he said a couple of things that I just logged back here, and I said, you know what, give me the night or two days. I don't know, figure something. And I called uh, the wardrobe department, the studio that was going to make it. Because yes. he said something that made me think of something. And I said, send me a bunch of wardrobe from different time periods, <clears throat> you know, randomly, just pick a rack. And he said something about something else, about he exists in all times and all spaces. And then I thought of an idea of teeth and I thought of an idea of a walk and I, I knew it had to be energy. And then I said, I don't know. And I called him and said, I got an idea and I don't know if it's going to work or not. Uh, so let's just go do this thing. And here's the amazing part about it he never saw any of it. We t- discussed it and I said, I want, I want hair. It looks like I stuck my phone in, a, in a, an electrical outlet and in the great V-Neal yeah. wardrobe. I said, I want mold, because Tim said he lives like in under rocks and stuff. I said, I want mold somewhere. So then I said, okay, and I showed up for work, and I walked on the stage, and I said, this is either going to be way off the mark, or he's just going to... I don't know what he's going to do. He got it immediately, and, and he, you know, it's not like it was... Way outside what he was talking about, but it was, and he he said, "Yes, that and let's do more of that." And let's Ooh, do yes and. That. And it just became this unbelievable
2: <laughs> good old yes and. But yeah, it's interesting, right? Because the um, they say he also improvised a lot, which it kind of has that vibe when you watch it. He's just kind of off, just you know, bebopping and scatting all over the joint. Mm. Which again, I'm just I'm kind of shocked by your response to this because. One of my very next notes of this, Greg, and I hope you don't take offense to this, is that in all caps I've written here, Greg could play Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> this is your guy, man. There Maybe is some kind why of connection I don't
0: there. Like him. No, 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 I don't not like him. Sorry, that's probably it's
2: too strong a word. Yeah, yeah. So you think they could do the movie without him? I don't know.
0: No, I, I don't really, but I kind of do as well. I think.
2: Well, they could have not called it Beetlejuice.
0: I just think probably. that the cast that they've got is pretty awesome. And you, there's probably enough scope for those characters to develop on their own and give them a bit more time. It felt kind of rushed. I don't know. I think I said to you, I was watching it and granted, and this is embarrassing, but I did. I think I might have checked the work email or something. Yeah. And I looked up and it was like, I looked up. And I'm watching a fucking trailer for Ozark 3. By the way, Netflix, yeah, yeah. can I just say, Netflix, when the film ends, sometimes, well, most times, it's nice to, like, sit with the credits for a couple of moments.
2: For a bit, right? Like, just yeah. let
0: the movie wash over you, enjoy the Harry Belafonte, reflect on the absurdity of the last 92 minutes. Just have a moment. Yeah, I see some
2: familiar names f- pop up in the in the long tail of the credits. Yeah. You know? Pay some respect, goddamn. Like it. a
0: cigarette after coitus.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, the credits are the post-coital cigarette of movies. Correct, 100% right?
0: And to to <laughs> extinguish that cigarette immediately with a trailer of Ozarks.
2: Get it together, guys. Come on. Um, guys. What's your name? If you're listening, what's his name? Reese. Uh, Reese. Reed. Reed Hastings. Get it together, That's it. man. It's Reed.
0: Unless <laughs> it you're is listening, Reed. Reed. Right? No, Reed doesn't listen because he would have put us on the books <laughs> by now if he listened.
2: <laughs> hey, can I close out my point about you and Beetlejuice though? <laughs> It was a point because yeah because honestly I'm watching this and I'm like this is why Greg loves Michael Keaton <laughs> isn't that weird dude? like I'm connecting dots that aren't there Uh no you no you it's are like, right because because you could do an impression you could do a great impression I think but it's more the makeup the Make voice the, is, makeup. the voice is relatively easy it's the, really you don't like the scabbies I don't like the scabbies the I mold? think they have a
0: problem with scabbies
2: right yeah it could be that. Which I is, mean he's 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 not appealing to look at but that's kind of the point. Yeah. But I, <laughs> maybe he looks too I, much
0: like me when when I used to have long hair it was all fucking frizzy.
2: But you could you could like Halloween man, you could do the whole thing. I mean mainly the physicality of it. You could you can do all that maybe with a few more high kicks, but it's all there. <laughs>
0: uh, I will t- I will take it as a Compliment.
2: You know how? Okay, so hopefully you I take do this love one compliment Keaton. too. The other thing I wrote here was um. You know how in a lot of movies we've done like some characters almost like the representation of the id versus the super ego uh-huh. and that kind of shit. Uh-huh. I could almost see Beetlejuice as being your id, <laughs> like your <laughs> your tyler Durden. The the you mean the this, un- are
0: you, what you're saying is this is me after f- six rum and coke
2: <laughs> pure animalistic instincts. You know that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, you've seen that. You've seen my ear many times.
2: <laughs> I have. But yeah, I think he might be your Tyler Durden.
0: Interesting.
2: Interesting, which is maybe why your ego and superego are rejecting him. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, this all makes sense. It just clicked. Wow. Wow. I just went Freudian on this. Wow.
0: That's,
2: oh, that's mind-blowing. That's big That's wow. actually interesting. Yeah. That's a big wow. That may, There may be some... Some Something to that But can we talk more About Michael Kitten? Because we like this guy We do He's a good man It's been great To see his renaissance with, Yes Kicked off by Birdman Birdman was great
0: Was Birdman the first trigger Or was there something Pre-Birdman
2: I mean there's been Sprinklings of magic Yeah Because the police captain In um, The Other Guys Who keeps yeah. Accidentally quoting TLC <laughs> <laughs>
1: One more thing Do me a favour Don't go chasing waterfalls is that accidental or were you trying to quote TLC on purpose? I don't yeah. understand the reference. You don't understand what you said? I don't know what that is. Get out.
2: That's <laughs> so specific. I love I mean, I don't I don't know if this is true and it's probably not true because I'm making it up, but I love to imagine that he walks in and says, Hey, I've got a character I do. He's a police captain that <laughs> accidentally <laughs> quotes TLC all the time. It's just so specific. <laughs>
0: I enjoy so his weird. intensity. I, I find him a particularly yeah. intense individual.
2: He's also been one of the best villains in the Marvel Universe, Actual, an actual like human character. Oh, he's he in the Marvel Universe? In, in, he's in Spider-Man. He was the villain in Spider-Man. Did you watch that Oh, one? of
0: course. Sorry. I was, I was thinking specifically the one with all of them, Avengers. Yeah, he's great in nah. that.
2: Yeah, how good is that? Because it's an actual villain with some substance to him. And you can empathize. He went from because like, oh, he yeah.
0: always had crazy eye, um, yeah. but he's got this sort of calmness that's got crazy under the surface. Old guy thing, like he's the he's an yeah, American yeah, yeah. assassin, is as like the the instructor badass. Like he's got that sort of Liam Neeson tough guy, older tough Ooh, guy. Oh, he thing could going do a with.
2: Liam Neeson. He could do one of those, couldn't he?
0: Yeah. Oh, hands down.
2: Interesting. You know what's interesting about him too is like I my first Michael Keaton probably was Batman. And so, yeah, I had a bit of I had a bit of a reverse Pesci situation here, where I because you know with Joe Pesci the first thing I saw him in was Home Alone, so to 100%. see him in a, in a Scorsese thing was a bit weird. But everyone knows now as an adult that that's his main thing. I had the same thing here where I was like, he's so serious. Yes, a hundred. Me Why, too. What's he doing making this this new movie called Multiplicity? Why is he doing that? Oh, it's a bit of a stretch. You know, I remember watching Multiplicity when it came out, thinking that. Yeah, and but that's his homeland. That's his shit. This is his shit. He's a crazy weird dude. He's heaps crazy and weird, and he hadn't done all that much before this. Um, he'd been in some sitcoms and he did Mister Mom, but that's about it. So it's it's interesting because they he Burton wanted Sammy Davis Jr., and then someone suggested him. What was he watching to go? Yep, that's the guy. Like it's yeah, yeah, that's interesting.
0: I didn't get my hands on that, but I'd like it.
2: Yeah, little fun fact for you. Michael Keaton's real name is Michael Douglas. What's his surname? MAGA Douglas. Douglas. His surname's Douglas. Yeah. So Michael Keaton is a stage name. Why? Because it was Mike, Michael Douglas already existed. existed, and and Mike Douglas. Is that like his mother's maiden with, name or something? It's random. It was flicking through the phone book or something. Apparently, they um apparently it's some SAG thing because there's quite a few actors that we know and love. It's not their real names. But I don't get why SAG wouldn't let more than one actor have the same name because that's just human beings, man. Well, I can think <laughs> of weird. a
0: few commercial reasons. It's confusing for for one. No, it makes perfect sense. Sometimes you've got to toe the line a little bit with Hollywood, Tristan, you know?
2: But just throw in a middle name or something, like a like Michael or, B. Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Michael B. Douglas.
2: <laughs> exactly. Michael B. Douglas. <laughs> okay, that's his name for now, and I'm going to refer to him as Michael B. Douglas.
0: I like it. <laughs> hey, can we talk a little bit about Tim Burton? Yes. So, I did some research. He's no longer married to Helena Bonham yeah. Carter.
2: And even when they were married, they were living in neighboring houses yes. apparently.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. They How were weird. domestic partners. Right. They were domestic partners, their quotes, which conjures up some great imagery, doesn't it? Like, I wonder yeah. what these two were like around the house. How divvied up are the chores in the house <laughs> of Helena Bottom Carter and Tim Burton? Like, can you see Tim Burton pushing the lawnmower around or putting the bins out?
2: No, but they're rich people. I also can't see Helena Bottom Carter. She, I reckon she's pretty messy. I reckon
0: she'd really. I reckon no. Nah, I reckon she's doing the the heavy lifting around the house. Did you know she dresses
2: like she's wearing the laundry basket? Wow! Wow! Wow!
0: Tim Burton was on the school water polo team, which again intrigues no. me because I always pictured him. It was funny you mentioned wow, like the Adams family, because I always pictured him like either as one of his own characters or like a, genuinely a member of the Adams family, perhaps.
2: This is interesting because he talks about how he's been pigeonholed in as some weird guy, but he's not, and he's like, I'm not weird. Everything, he just thinks the world is weird. I've got a little clip here. That's not a bad Greg way. That worked nicely. Oh, you're
0: welcome.
4: Very early on in life, is everybody is sort of put into categories, you know. And I, I don't know how I got put into the weird category because I never felt strange <laughs> yeah, anyway. Right. Um, but who put you there? I, 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 it just seems like society has a way <laughs> right. of kind the burden of burden is over here. Yeah, you know, like you're not. You're, this person's good at sports. This person isn't. This person's weird. You know, right, and that right, happens right. like from the very beginning, exactly. you know. And so, being put into that category, you're kind of set aside so you kind of feel like outside looking in and so therefore everything does seem strange. Everything does seem, because right off the bat you're kind of going, well I don't feel weird but people are saying I'm weird so then you start sort of seeing things from a different perspective that way Mm -hmm. and so, but I'm glad of it because I think that's, you know, the way it is. It's, uh, life is strange and beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That is your, in the end, your take. Yeah, I, 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 I've never felt like the films I've done are really dark because I feel like, the, I, I feel quite hopeful and I feel like life is a mixture of things and that's why I've always been intrigued by t- the tone of things where you're trying to mix humor and drama and happiness and sadness and everything all together because that, I, I've never met anybody that feels one way at every, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like you're it's yeah. just a, we're comprised of many different feelings all at once and uh sort of on an extreme level try to portray
2: that is that interesting what a polo team it yeah. is it is
0: interesting i would uh i would agree with his articulation of his films that there is an air of positivity
2: yeah for them. yeah and they are kind of genreless in a way like they're, i mean there's all they're all a bit weird
0: hmm there's a goth there's a, a goth sort of ribbon that
2: there's there's like an aesthetic to it, but they're all kind of comedies slash often to do with death, and they're they're all things all the time in a way, which kind of makes sense. But you couldn't like, what would you even classify this movie as? It's it's, it's all the things. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's an interesting dude. There's definitely like some physically some overlap with Nicolas Cage happening there. <laughs> Yeah, they could be brothers. They don't look identical, but they could be brothers.
0: Yeah, Burton would be
2: the uh, weird brother. Burton would be the main character in Adaptation and Cage would be the crazy one in Adaptation. Mm. Like, (laughs) kind of would work nicely. You know, it's interesting. He's an interesting dude. I did a little digging in here too. Um, But, I mean, we're going to do plenty of Burton pictures, so this is not the whole – I'm not going to go – too crazy on a little Burton special, but mm. a couple of interesting ingredients I think with this dude. You know, he started as a as a visual artist, right? Like drawing and all that kind of shit. He was uh-huh. he was fired from Disney back in the day. Ended up working for them again eventually, which is a bit like the old um, Pixar dude um, Lassiter, What was his name? John Lasseter. Don't know. But uh, he he a, a lot of his shit starts with the drawing. So he'll draw a guy with scissors for hands, and then go. Oh, this like, is something that it looks like an Edward. How about I'm going to call him Police cops? Yeah, Edmund penis and, hands. <laughs> exactly, and so he uh, often he starts there, which uh, reminded me of when we looked at the origin story with the film Labyrinth, with Jim Henson and Brian Froud, Fraud, Froud where Brian would draw these creatures yeah. and then Jim Henson would decide what the story would be. So he, I guess he had a similar process. He'd draw this thing and go, well, what the fuck is that? Or the What's Ninja the story Turtles there? story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I guess it's like a certain style of creative process, which I can probably relate to more. I, I could was, never imagine myself just sitting down and writing something. Yeah, that and was my version
0: as a, as a kid. Like I would draw a cartoon, yeah. something. Or maybe that it's just, more common than Wherever the pencil led me and then. Make up a little yeah. backstory for whatever I've whatever
2: I'd drawn. And, and maybe that is more common than, than I give it credit for. I don't know. And it's like um I was thinking with music, you know, sometimes there's sometimes they write the lyrics first, sometimes mm. it's the music, and then the music is like with hip hop, sometimes it's like the beat, and then they go, Oh, okay, yeah, let let me write a whatever mm-hmm. however many bars or whatever. But on that note, he never gets credited as script writer or anything. It's always characters and story by. So I feel like he he makes these he draws these characters, creates a bit of a story around it, but he, he's not the one putting pen to paper on the actual script, which is interesting. Yeah. 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 Look, oh uh, yeah, one thing to touch on, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to go too deep into this because I'm getting out of my depth of knowledge here, but um the his whole vibe is apparently very very based on German expressionism. Ah. Uh-huh. Which I didn't know a lot about, but apparently after the war, Germany was cut off from the world of film at large and kind of developed its own very specific aesthetic, which became known as German Expressionism. But movies like Metropolis, you know, that ah, of, that like look. the yeah, first right. sci-fi, okay. yeah. And Nesferatu, that vampire movie, you'll know when you see it. I know that, of like, it. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's those big shadows, exaggerated extensions and dimensions that don't really make sense. Like there's lots of YouTube videos that show like side-by-sides of some of these things. It's pretty interesting.
0: Well, I think the expressionism art movement started in Germany. So there you go.
2: Ah, uh, there you go.
0: Kandinsky, Munch, those guys.
2: Yeah, right. Should we talk about the special effects real quick because I think they're pretty special. They put the special special effects, on. It was a small budget and I think it was a small budget for even then because apparently he wanted like the the special effects. It, you know, we watch old movies now and go, oh, yeah, they're outdated or whatever. Apparently they didn't look modern then either. So he was kind of going all out for the B-movie vibe with it. Really? Which I think fucking works brilliantly. It's tight. It's so it's sur- tight. so surreal and weird. The Sandworm, Smallhead. I like Smallhead. Smoking guy. Big, big yeah, the model go when we're in the model digging up the grave in the model. That shit is cool. Mm. There's some like dali shit right there. That was <laughs> fucking some great. Shit. It's so weird, and it saddens me to hear that. Apparently, he says that he can't watch these movies now because he finds those special effects so outdated. But that's the which charm. is just like it's the ti- exactly. It's like timeless. you don't get why we like you, dude. Like that's why we like you.
0: As you say, at the time they weren't – it's not like they were – if they were banging on at the time, then they would have dated. Exactly. But the fact that they weren't exactly. for the yes. time means they are timeless.
2: Exactly. You're exactly right, man, like 100%. There's um, um, uh, Coppola's Dracula, I think it was made like mid-late 90s, and he used special only special effects that were available in the 60s or something. So it's all like – practical in-camera stuff or something. Smart. But it, smart but, man that and, and compl- it doesn't it doesn't date, which yeah. So I I was thinking like if I ever made a movie <laughs> which I'm fucking no way I'm gonna do. But if I did, but I would only use special effects that were available five to ten years ago and use the best version of those versus early versions of new shit which would be outdated. You don't want to be that movie from 99, like so many movies from 99 with CGI that looks like fucking liquid or a video game or some shit, you know, like it's classy to use. It's, it's a classy move, man. It makes it work. And, and it's any outdatedness that you could see in that. It just adds to the weird surrealness of it all. It's so weird. Big time. Oh, love it. And the music, we should talk about the music again. Danny Hoffman, He's in all the Burton ones, he's so I'm sure hits. we'll be talking it, about well, him
0: a a few of the later ones he hasn't done. What's the setup there?
2: Oh, hasn't he done some of them? I just assumed they were all of them. I didn't look into detail. Yeah, he's done the vast. It's the vast majority. Yeah. Well, they met on um the first movie, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So just randomly, they were both about, doing the movie. Well, no. So <laughs> Tim Burton was a fan of. Danny Elfman's band Oingo Boingo oh yeah of course Boing- the Boingies do you know much about the? Bo- do you know much about them no absolutely not they're apparently legitimately a thing I've got a little song here for you to give you the, some of the vibe nice <laughs> What's Elfman doing here? Oh, that's that's the voice man. He's the he's the front man of this band, okay. Oingo Boingo. You know, he was the the voice of the singing voice of Jack Skellington also in um, in Nightmare Before Christmas. So the, the dude's a vocalist mm. yeah, um, from way definitely back. like not from way back, but he is also a composer. Yeah, this is where Burton found him. He was watching Oingo Boingo live.
4: Well, before, when I was just still a student, I used to go see his band, Oingo Boingo, in nightclubs, you know, like the Hong Kong Cafe or Madame Wong's in Los Angeles. And I just was impressed by the the theatrical nature of, you know, it was back in sort of new wave punk era kind of thing. They were just doing things that seemed very filmic and very um, kind of nightmare, just kind of like movies that I liked. Yeah. And... um, so then I got to make Pee Wee's Big Adventure and then I hadn't done a movie and he hadn't really done a movie. So we felt very much in sync, you know, <laughs> kind of like two people that don't know what they're doing, doing something. So
0: it's <laughs> great. That's great. I like that.
2: I like the idea of they found each other at the right time. They're both the kind of life stage of, hey, let's just figure this shit out together. Love it. And, but there's trust, you know, that is trust. Hey, it's like us with the podcast. Yeah, big
0: time. But I haven't like, done one, I think you haven't done
2: one. We don't know if we're doing one now. Who knows? Um, you know, he, Danny Elfman also did the Simpsons thing. Oh, I've seen that name a billion times. Exactly right. It's one of those ones you're like, oh, oh yeah, I've seen that name. Yeah,
0: Danny Hellman.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In, in of Horrors. Horrors episodes. Yeah. But like I was saying, I wouldn't mind if Burton maybe deviated a little bit from the Elfman world. I like it. But sometimes you don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want all that whimsy. Does
0: it just become a bit obvious to you sometimes?
2: It's just a, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit all samey same. Mm. I think it'd be nice to mix it up. I've always had this thing in my head of like having someone like a Tom Waits score a Tim Burton movie. Oh, yeah. I feel like that could be, that could, that could have something to it. Oh, yeah. Maybe it would be too dark. Maybe you need, maybe you need like the light and the dark. I don't know. The light and the dark.
0: The yin and the yang. The spire and the, water
2: fire and ice ice song fire of and ice, ice and damn, fire. It. damn it i knew it <laughs> you're like fire and less hot fire <laughs> um. fire and magma <laughs> classic enemies
0: <laughs> jousting for title of hottest
2: thing you gotta fight fire with fire baby yeah you
0: gotta fight fire with magma baby magma
2: <laughs> magma did you were you able to think of a movie that you would like Tim Burton to direct?
0: Uh look, no. I think I could though.
2: Context is I asked Greg the other day, "Hey, have a think about what movie would you This would be good banter for the pot. Have a think about is there a movie that you would you would have preferred or or liked to see Tim Burton do?"
0: I mean, probably done. something like Schindler's List, I guess.
2: Whoa. <laughs> With with Daddy Elfman, that we yeah, that movie was missing. <laughs> I, don't know. I was
0: trying to think of something serious and sad.
2: Same. Philadelphia. I was trying to think of. Oh, well, maybe actually, I went. I went horror. I was like, maybe something horror, and I landed on Nightmare on Elm Street. But I like Nightmare on Elm Street, so I don't want him to do it well, instead of Well, there's a
0: part that actually reminds. There's, there's, it's Burton-esque already, isn't it? Mm. Like there's there's moments the the dreams. But he would dial that up. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's a good call.
2: Exactly. But I feel like it's almost cheating because, like Beetlejuice's sequences are almost like Freddy sequences. Yeah, yeah, you know, like,
0: they totally are. Yeah. Um, maybe something like Jumanji could be interesting.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, that's nice. That's a stretch. That's like a new territory, theme to conquer. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, a lot of his later movies kind of suck, and I don't know why. I don't want to blame CGI because I think CGI has a role and there's a lot of talented artists doing great CGI work, but it's more like, yeah, hey, I don't know. it's a, Why? They're just boring. I don't get it. Honey,
0: I Shrunk the Kids.
2: Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, you could burn yeah. the hell out of a
0: backyard, couldn't you?
2: You could burn the hell out of it.
0: Again, there's probably some Burton about, Q's, Burton-esque cues in that existing film that probably takes your head there.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's probably the practical effects, eh? Hey? hmm Hey, but how would you like to see Beetlejuice go for a little cheeky surf in Hawaii? Excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, what I'm alluding to here is the uh, the 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 sequel that never came to fruition, tentatively titled Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Go which sounds stupid, and it is, but it is knowingly so. On. I think it sounds kind of great. It's not- so, some of the things I was reading about this were suggesting this was a terrible idea and thank God it never happened. But I'm like, wait, this sounds pretty good to me. So, the idea is Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. So, Lydia and her family relocate to Hawaii and her father decides um, why did they leave the house? To whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, It was also peachy.
2: But, um, yeah, they well, they want to open a resort in Hawaii, basically. Oh, he's a developer but, after all. But plot twist, it's on an ancient Indian burial. Ah, Course, it yeah, is, yeah, and so you know, uh, what was the Indian ongoing...
0: uh, Native American community like in Hawaii? I would have thought that was a, <laughs> more of a Hawaiian,
2: a very good, very, very good point. Um, I mean, I would argue, I would argue there were no Indians in America, um, in ancient times, but yeah, I <laughs> hear, but that's a very good point. Perhaps ancient Hawaiians, uh. <laughs> But in doing so, in, in embarking on this construction, Beetlejuice as well as other various supernatural elements are released. And so the idea of this movie would be take that German expressionism, <laughs> contrast it with 50s and 60s beach movie vibes, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of weird and great. I kind of like that. You know, like there's Elvis surf movies. I'm assuming that's what that is, like there's yeah. Elvis surf movies. Who was doing things. this? Um, Burton would have done it, and Keaton would have done it. So it never happened because Batman kind of took off, and then they went straight into Batman Returns. So it just kind of fell off the radar. But it he, it would have culminated in Beetlejuice competing in a surf context, uh, a contest. But but all of this is done in a knowing, like you know, nod to the genre <sighs> and all that kind of shit. So oh, it sounds you would terrible. think it would be done well. It sounds terrible, but I would like to think it's like good terrible, like cheese ball, good cheese ball stuff but yeah batman returns um became the priority for those guys but um funnily enough kevin smith at one point was approached to rewrite the sequel but funnily enough ended up writing a script named superman lives the superman movie that was to be directed by burton starring Nicolas cage which never happened fuck well now it'd have been crazy i'm sure we'll probably talk more about that in the batman episode we'll eventually do but There's a whole lot of magical things happening in this era for Burton. Isn't it it great? Absolutely. Yeah. Did you ever watch the Beetlejuice cartoon? No. Oh, yes. I feel like it was always on, but I was never into it. I
0: think I might have. I can picture it
2: in my mind. Yeah, right? Can you remember this song? (laughs) Was he the protagonist
0: and he was a pretty good guy? Albeit a I think it was
2: more closer to a good guy. It was him and Lydia.
0: I can picture this. I think this might have been my entry point.
2: It probably would have been. Hey, yeah, probably it probably was for me too. But I don't think I watched it. I don't think I liked it.
0: I liked any cartoon but, to be honest. But, I watched anything.
2: Mate, kids are so spoiled these days. Cartoons were on at specific times of day, specific days of week. So it was a special event to see a cartoon. These days, you can watch them whenever the their, fuck they want. Whatever the fuck they want. They didn't have to sit through fucking Mully Grubs or whatever the fuck. Mully Grubs, that shit was horrendous. Um, Do you have any recasties? Crap, I don't have any recasties. I've got, no. I think, well, I I would dare say this one may be one of the easier recasties because if Tim Burton was making this movie today, who do you think would be Beetlejuice? The answer is Johnny Depp. Of course he would. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah,
0: Jack Sparrow with a bit extra makeup.
2: Exactly, but it made me realize there are some similarities there in terms of their their like creation of characters and things. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I would on face value, you wouldn't think they have a lot in common, but when you hear how he kind of created the Biddlejuice character and you hear about how he created Jack Sparrow, it's like the same story, man. Mm. Same story. Mm. Um, should we get into the verdict though? Yeah.
0: I don't know what
3: to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn
1: thing. I am the law. I'd like you to answer the question, like you to... I want to have them answered immediately.
4: You can't handle the truth. Nothing further, your
0: honor. And that's all I had to
2: say about that.
0: Well, it's a, it has to be a rewatch. I think it, it deserves a
2: rewatch. Yes,
0: I agree. I think I just got a bit bored in parts.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it comes to the territory a bit with these movies in general. I'm finding that – I don't know if it's because I've watched them so much. I don't know if it's because of the way our attention span has shifted and no, maybe modern I movies don't better tailored plot. to that. Yeah, there is some. There's a bit of loosey goosiness going on there. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that.
0: Um, but I've got some other bits and pieces. Um, I do have a Six Degrees of Van Damme.
2: Oh, Yes. Yes, I forgot about
0: that. So our Six Degrees of Damn, um, Catherine O'Hara. Oh. Into Eugene Levy. Yes. Into Stifler, a.k.a. Sean Michael Scott.
2: Yes. Into The Rock. Yes. Into Jason Statham. Yes. Into Van Damme. Yeah, Expendables. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, is that six? That's good. I didn't do that. I didn't get there. I forgot about that. (laughs) Fuck
0: you. Who's your MVP then?
2: But I'd come up with one now that's a shortcut through uh, Glenn Shaddix. Glenn Shaddix, Stallone, Van Damme.
0: (laughs) Are they all going to come back to the Expendables?
2: (laughs) Yeah, they probably are. That's going to be the shortcut for sure. To the lap pack, baby. I should go. Hey, can you? We'll go through some of the uh, key criteria here. We, hey, we've got to show due diligence here. Did Simpsons do it? Look, I can't remember one. I Googled. found one. It seems like. You did find one?
0: Yeah, Halloween special. Um, Homer on the couch is Beetlejuice and Marge next to him is the girl, the showgirl cut in half.
2: Ah, okay. Okay, that counts. That counts. I was going to say unclear, but that that's explicit. Ding. Porn parody. I can confirm. Beaver juice exists. No. <laughs> yeah, so I started Googling and then ended up on, it. I started Googling and ended up on Pornhub and I was like, I don't like where this is going. So instead I just Google imaged it and it came up. Special effects, do they hold up? I would say yes. Hundred percent. Another ding. And Bechtel test. I think we're in Bechdel test, baby. This is for females there's a few females all with names, and they talk to each other about things other than a man. So that's Bechdel test. Yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah, but and I'm bio
0: chauvinist pedophile
2: passes the Bechdel test. Yeah, which is I think that's a good point though there, Greg, because Beetlejuice is yeah a fucking horrible human. Well, not a human. What is he? Bio exorcist. Yeah, he's a dead guy. But there's other movies where everyone's patting themselves on the back for being great people yet two females don't talk talk to each other about anything other than else than the man. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I think there's probably I mean I can't I can't sense check this in its entirety right this second, but I think maybe Tim Burton may hit that Bechtel tell on a regular. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. For MVP. Sure. Man, I'm going all in on Michael Keaton. I think every time I watch it, I have new appreciation for it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you're going to come up with something different here.
0: I uh, probably just being contentious. I had Winona Ryder. I thought she was great in this.
2: Oh wow, interesting.
0: I'm all, my low v, my low key VP though was uh, Sylvia Sidney. Oh yeah, the lawyer, little old little old lady. Oh, the caseworker. Um, yeah, caseworker. Who's a uh, yeah. golden era Hollywood, golden age Hollywood starlet? So she was great. I, I didn't
2: thought. look into her, but I imagined she was someone. I saw her name in the. Yeah, she thing. was quite was clearly. Like,
0: yeah. it wasn't her first rodeo, was it? And she's pretty old. Yeah. So, yeah, she a bit of a legend. Great pound. special
2: effects with the smoke coming out of her neck and that kind of shit. It was good. It was good. That's us. It it was I need to good. go eat my dinner. Yeah, me too. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us again in another week in isolation. Uh, we, this is our first episode in quite a long time, not being in the same room. Hopefully, it translates well enough. Hope so. Leave us a review. I've got my Tristan like doll here that I'm cuddling. Nice. I got. Um, I'm in my Greg chair, so you're basically spooning me. Yes, um, nice. Good. <laughs> what have we got coming um, up? Other movies, um, I guess. I'm not sure what's next, but we've got a we've got a bunch. We've got a whole new batch coming your way. We got the gods must be crazy. We got something about Mary hitting up the old Farrelly brothers. Um, Lisa Lisa
0: Fitz has done a big request for a chick flick, so we'll sit on that. We might get some feedback as to whether Notting Hill covers that territory or we need something a bit heavier in the...
2: I mean, we do have one unallocated in the next batch of nine, so maybe we can dive right into something that fits the bill. Maybe some Dirty Dancing. Maybe some... Some yeah, more but Patrice, I think but that. But that
0: might put Point Break further down the line, which might be problematic.
2: <laughs> That's a romantic comedy, isn't it? Let's do that. I think so. It's
0: written, Oh, well, it's directed by a female.
2: It is, and it's basically a romance between Johnny Utah and that delightful um Swayze, 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 Swayze,
0: All right, guys. All right, bye. Take care bye. of and each other. Yeah, <laughs>